this Rumination Thursday, September the 8th in the year of our Lord, 2022, as we talk about law and gospel on this day. And I'm Pastor Tom Baker, and with me is Pastor Wes Reimnitz. Hi, Wes. Hi, Tom. How are you? I'm doing really good. I already have been receiving an order. Uh, yesterday, I talked about that the great book by C.F.W. Walther, Law and Gospel, with over 400 pages in it. It's a reader's edition. You can get it from Concordia Publishing House, but the cost is about $55 for the book and postage and handling. And at this time, Law and Gospel, if you email us, we'll send you a copy for $40, and we'll even pay the postage and handling. And we uh, got a suggestion that it would be great for Pastor Appreciation Sunday, which is coming this October. So we'll be able to get it to you in time for that if you wanted to give your pastor one of the greatest books that is available for law and gospel. Just email us at lawandgospel at lawandgospel101.com. That's 101.com. You know so, what? You know what I also thought of? You know, you did a, a series a couple of years ago on KFU on the book itself. Are you going to make those yes. available? I think I am. I'm going to put it all on one item and then uh, give that, uh, make that available. Yes. Yeah, I, it was a good uh, series. Yeah. And having the book in your hand would also be very good. This long gospel <clears throat> readers suggest edition is not only good for pastors, but it's written particularly also for lay people to understand the distinctions between law and gospel. So we're going to get to an email that we talked a little bit about last week, but never really finished it. It was from an individual who has a cousin in the ELCA church. And she and her husband don't know if we should tell her about the ELCA churches changing so radically or not. We asked our own pastor what we should do, and he didn't really know how to advise us. So... They listen to our program, Long Gospel Every Day, enjoy it very much. So isn't it kind of surprising if somebody came to you as a Missouri Synod pastor and asked advice as to what they should do in speaking to their Elka friend, neighbor, relative, etc. What what would you say, Pastor? I'd say let's have a Bible class on it. You know, if as a pastor in the church, and, and take a look at it. And in fact, uh, you, you know, I served up in Havana uh, up until my retirement. And then the next pastor, Pastor Wendorf, took over. 
One of the things he, he did is he took a Bible class on the history of the church from Christ's ascension all the way up to the 20th century and explained all the differences between the various churches and religions that are out there. And uh, I would listen to some of the people in their conversation when I'd get up there. And I said, where did you learn that? And he said, our pastor taught us. Yes. Yeah, the pastor is to help you understand, because a lot of people listen to maybe other radio stations and hear sermons, and they may not catch the false teaching that is found, uh, even in a sermon that sounds very biblical. So they need to be trained in what are the differences between the various religions. In fact, Concordia Publishing House has a whole series of books like, for example, how do you respond to the Jehovah Witnesses, to the Mormons, to the Muslims, etc. It's a whole series there, and I think it'd be well worth getting a hold of. It's part of the 6,000 books that I had given away to a congregation, and I'm sure they're going to be using them quite well, because it really helps explain the differences. Another thing I, I would suggest in doing is invite them to your church. You know, uh, your pastor preaches the Word of God, and, and you're able to understand it from the way he talks to you in the sermons and the Bible classes. You invite them to come and, and take that. I, I once had a guy that tried to get me on a radio broadcast that they were doing for a Christian group to listen to, and I challenged him to, to, to listen to 10 hours of Law and Gospel on KFUO. Yes, there's a whole concept here where many pastors are defensive rather than being on the offense. And Jesus, was he always defensive or did he go on the offense? <laughs> Didn't he say, what are you Pharisees? Yes. Yeah, you Pharisees, the God you have is not the God of the Bible. It's Satan himself. The same kind of words that were said to Adam and Eve when they fell into sin. To David when he fell into sin with Bathsheba. To Solomon when he had his wives have idols that he allowed them to worship. And so, yeah, you know, and another thing too is that famous passage out of John 14, where they say, how do we know the Father? And Jesus says, "I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me." Now, there you can bring that one up because that was used by a layman at a ELCA convention, and he was kind of booed down for saying that because they had various people from other religions that they were saying were already saved. And since that convention, they, they have uh, gone a little bit further where they want to remove certain uh, languages in their, in their Bibles with uh, suggested pronouns and as well as articles of faith 
as they continue to move away from, I, I believe, the scriptures. Yes, that's really a sign that the church, the congregation is falling apart. And ELCA is a good example, not only allowing for gay ministry, gays in their pastoral office, men and women being married, which is ridiculous, uh, abortion, they're okay, and other such things. And it's not hard for us to, to prove those things, because those things we can go to their site, read through their, their articles, uh, listen to their conventions. They're all taped and, and up there for us to take a look at. So we're not saying anything that we haven't seen or heard. Yeah, one of the things that happened at the last convention, they had some kind of agreement with their members that if you disagreed, for example, with women ordination or the gay thing, you could still stay a member of ELCA and your conscience would be okay. But now they're going to change that, it looks like, at the next convention where you're not going to be allowed to have those views and still remain a member in good standing. Right. It's called conscience protections, uh, where you disagree with same-sex marriage, and and they're taking they want to take away that conscience-bound agreement. They consider it offensive, um, wanting the reception of their various lifestyle. As one gay pastor got up, he says, "I he says I don't feel welcome in my church based on those consciences." And bring my husband in with me. Right. Yep. Yep. In fact, it'd be great. We should put together a brochure indicating here are the teachings of the ELCA, and here are the Bible passages that reject those teachings, all the way from evolution to the idea that you don't have to believe in Jesus in order to be saved. And there, that that'd be a really good brochure to to send around yeah. to. Alcapel. It reminds me, you know, you talk about these cousins and that. It reminds me of of uh, uh, LCA Church close to Missouri Senate Church, and uh, the uh, cousins went to an LCA anniversary celebration for for one of their cousins at a LCA church. And they got ready for communion. Well, they got ready to, to see if the Missouri bunch would go up and commune with them. And sat there was uh, one of the matriarchs of, of the uh, church, Missouri Senate Church, and she was supposed to be the first one up. And she didn't go. And therefore, the rest of them all followed suit. You know, they did not go. And she said, we're not in fellowship with you. We don't believe some of the same things that you right. believe. Yeah, and that's, that's another area where the ELCA, where the ELCA is in fellowship with those who don't believe in the Lord's Supper, as the Bible teaches it, like yeah. the Reformed, etc. So it, it makes a difference, you know, being able as a cousin to speak out and find those ways to to, to speak about the differences. Speak about the differences. 
Yeah, we should send a memorial to the convention coming up this next year that the CTCR should put together a document as to the differences between what the ELCA believes and what the Bible teaches. I think that would be a great little track that could go out to a lot of people and you could then send it to your friends who are with ELCA. Because I have some ELCA friends and they're confused. Uh, For example, one of them said that they had just had uh, two lesbians join the church and she wasn't sure how she, she should respond to that. And I told her that, no, that's going to be a bad thing that's happening. And sure enough, within a couple of years, that ELCA church had to disband because people kept leaving it and it wasn't able to continue to support itself. You know, I've seen that happen with other Alpha churches that have had to close their doors because of of those those liberal teachings on gays and women clergy and such things as work righteousness. Yeah, there was one study done that if it keeps going down the way it is, within a few decades, they'll only have about 16,000 people at church on a particular Sunday. And they used to be, or were, or are, the biggest Lutheran denomination in the United States right now, but they're shrinking very fast. Well, they had, uh, I think it was the last convention, or the convention before that, started to have their split with uh, many of the churches that left and formed their own uh, many synods away from Elkhorn. Yes. Okay. Now we have some other articles that you had sent me. Have you got one in mind that you want to talk about right now? Well, we could segue into one about preaching charity while preaching Christ while doing charity, or we need God more than ever. I, I like that one you sent about... I was really surprised at that, that Christians get involved with groups that are doing charity, like giving food to people who who need it in other countries, etc. But they follow a rule that you are not to preach the gospel when you're giving food to these people or helping them with building, etc., that that is inappropriate. How do we respond to that? It's not my style. I, I can find uh, charities that, that, that do allow that. In fact, we even have some of our own. Then we do a medical mission over in one of the Kazakhstan or one right. of those stands over there. Yep. Yeah, when we were uh, first beginning in Kazakhstan and Kyrgyzstan, Concordia Mission Society, we actually had medical van. And people would come, people who had never been to a dentist before or were having a baby, and we would have doctors and nurses there. But we also passed out tracts 
that were Lutheran in perspective, and a number of Lutheran churches began to be in existence because of the use of those medical bans. But it wasn't long before the government indicated that we weren't permitted to do both that kind of medical work and hand out literature in support of Christianity. And so we don't even have those fans anymore. Mm-hmm. Well, another one I, that comes to mind is what about some World Relief? They're involved in various areas of, of, of charity work. And are there occasions when they're not permitted to speak to God? You know, I don't know. I haven't looked into it that much. Well, uh, in pl- places like Saudi Arabia, etc., uh, well, so- yeah. soldiers are not even permitted to, you know, give Bibles out to other groups. That's how much that Muslim oriented country is that they don't want anything else uh, being given and in fact that's part of the ELCA that when they had those individuals on stage from the various religions uh, the head of the ELCA who thinks she's a pastor when she really isn't she was saying that we need to consider these as brothers and sisters in Christ, even though they denied the work of Jesus Christ for their salvation. Right. It goes back to an old term that we learned at the seminary called universalism, that there's many ways to find God, many ways to find their way to heaven, and Christianity is just one of them. Yes, a lot of people say today that you need to have faith, but they don't say that it has to be faith in Jesus Christ. Just any faith that you have, as long as there is a God involved, then that is okay. And therefore, it is almost racist to go and try and convert someone to Christianity if they are not a Christian because you're saying that what they do believe is not good enough for them. It's really ridiculous. And it's it's a reminder to to our people that, like Romans 10, 16, we talked about that last week, faith comes from hearing and hearing the word of Christ. And also what we spoke about earlier, John, John 14, where Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life that as Christians, we are saying Jesus is the only way that we're going to make it to heaven. Because that's what the Bible says. That's not something we're making up. That is what Scripture teaches. No one comes to the Father except through me. And that means trusting in the promises of the gospel. That's a huge difference between law and gospel. People who believe they're saved by the law think that they can be obedient enough in order that God is going to say, okay, you made it, now you can come to heaven. There is no such God who says that, is there? Right. And that ultimately makes a big difference between us and ELCA and various other religions that call themselves Christian 
but uh, say there are many ways to go to heaven. Ours is the one that says only through the promises of the gospel through Jesus Christ our Lord. Yes, Christianity is totally different than every other religion because one is not saved by works that they do, but by works that Jesus has done. And it is a gift from Jesus through the Holy Spirit to create faith in a person so you begin to believe what at first sounds unbelievable, but it is not through faith. I like the way you put it uh, uh, a week ago. It's our good works that don't get us into heaven. Neither is it our sins that get us into hell. Well, even that isn't correct, in a sense. Okay. Remember, I, I've often said that works don't make a difference whether you go to heaven or hell. You can be the greatest uh -huh. sinner. When you get to heaven, you're going to be there with people who have been rapists, who have been raci racists, who have stolen from banks, etc., and who have murdered. Can you think of anyone in the Bible who murdered and yet is going to be in heaven? <laughs> King David. Exactly. And, uh, yeah, Uriah the Hittite murdered in battle. His Bathsheba's husband. Right. You know. And then also there was an apostle in the New Testament who murdered. Well, there was Paul who was persecuting yes. Christians who called himself the chief of all sinners. Yes. And so we need to be very careful in saying why you go to hell. You don't go to hell because of sin or else all of us would be going to hell. We all deserve it. You go to hell because of your lack of faith in Jesus Christ. And that's what the church is about, to instill faith through people hearing the word of God, not to do social ministry, because that will get nobody to heaven. Right on target. I mean, that that is the point that separates us from, from uh, us, the non-believers. In fact, uh, God sees us as living people, in Christ and the unbeliever he sees as walking dead people wouldn't that be another way to put it yes yes now when I say the church's task isn't social ministry that doesn't mean that the Christian's task is not social ministry because we live in the civil world and therefore when we see people who are hungry we as Christians should help them out but that isn't the mission of the church because we have a spiritual mission, not just a civil mission as Christians. And the spiritual mission is to preach Christ and him crucified. That's what every sermon ought to be about. That's why I do not like sermons that end with may we or let us, as though the point of the sermon is to tell people now, Here's how you should behave differently. I, I know a Lutheran church that that uh, offered to pay the bills of, of a poor person and 
help them out with food and things like this. And they would ask, what do we, what do we got to give in return? They said, just come to church on Sunday morning and join us in worship. And they ended up having a couple of people take them up on it. And uh, they were they were just so happy and appreciative for hearing the gospel. They had never heard it that way before. Exactly. Oftentimes, the church I was at for 28 years, we would encourage people who were hungry to let us know, and we would give them a free turkey every Thanksgiving. They did not have to be a member of the church, but our board of directors insisted that when you gave them the turkey and other groceries, that within the bags would also be some kind of mission track to help them to know why we were doing this because of our love for Jesus and explain how they can also love Jesus through faith given to them by the Holy Spirit. You know, and there's some churches that run this backpack mission out of their churches that uh, it's where you put uh, canned foods for the weekend into a child's backpack so that they can go home upon request and have some food over the weekend. Some of their parents are in such poverty that they're not able to to get the nutrition that they should. I'm talking more about this. Tomorrow is Open Mic Friday where you can send me an email and you can also order a copy of the Law and Gospel book, which rather than paying over $50 with postage, we'll send it to you for $40 and we'll pay for the postage and handling and everything. And don't send us any money, just send us an order or questions for tomorrow to Law and Gospel at lawandgospel101.com. Okay, I'm Pastor Tom Baker, and with me was Pastor Wes Reimnitz, who continues to provide us with emails that we receive to talk about issues that are going on. And we'll continue with that conversation on tomorrow's Open Email Friday. Until then, God bless you. Listen to Law & Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law & Gospel, please make your check out to Law & Gospel and mail to Law & Gospel P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132, or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.